Hey, let's jump into our teaching today. You know, our main passage today will be Isaiah 65. If you have your Bibles, you can go to YouVersion. It's, a, it's an app where you can find our church. So, but I want to start out telling you the story of Jesus because that's why we're here. And the best way or one of the best ways to tell you the story of Jesus is to read the words that Peter gave. When people ask Peter, who is Jesus and why is he different? And what makes him different than any other rabbi? What makes him different than any other prophet? What makes Jesus special? In Acts chapter 10, this is what Peter said. God anointed, this is in verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses of everything he did in both the Judean country and in Jerusalem. And yet, they killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised up this man on the third day and caused him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us whom God appointed as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Now look at verse 42. He commanded us to preach to the people... And to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. 43. All the prophets testify about him. And through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Well, guys, that's why we're here today. You know, we've been commanded to preach and to testify. And so when you hear the worship team sing... And when you saw Rob out in the parking lot waving at you, and when you saw the, the people saying hello when you came in the lobby, and when you shook hands with someone, we're all testifying that this is not just a myth. This is not just a story. This is not just a legend. Jesus and his resurrection is a power that's alive this morning. And I want to tell you that the fact that you're physically here today, the fact that you're watching online right now, you're testifying that Jesus matters. You're testifying that the story is real, that Easter is not just about a day off on, on Friday, you know, missing work or missing school. Easter's not just about candy. Easter's not just about a brunch. You know, Easter has a story that's true, and it's real, and it's alive. And I want you to know that the resurrection power of God is not a myth we talk about. It's a reality that's here right now. Don't do that just if someone has the microphone and they're on the platform. Listen, you speak with your very life. And the next few minutes, as we finish this message and as we have more worship, our heart here at Christ is Love Church is that every single one of you would just take one step to the Lord. One step to the Lord today, just to turn your attention to him because he's calling you and he's reaching out to you. And it's not an accident that you're here right now. You're not here just because you came with a friend or you came with a family member or you're just trying to make someone happy. Okay, that may have been your initial motivation. But I'm telling you that there is something called the providence of God, that he saw this date, he saw this church, he saw that seat, he saw that screen, and he wants you to hear this word. And his word is that he is drawing you to himself. God is after you, and that's a good thing. 
And sometimes we say, if God's after me, that's bad because he's going to get me. No, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. He's going to get you with his love. He's going to get you with his favor. He's going to get you with his blessing. He's going to overtake you with his righteousness. He's going to take your personality and your interests and the, the, the very way he's created you, and he's going to make everything better. God is not a thief. God is a giver. Yeah. He's not taken away. And he has good things for you. And that doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. But I'm going to tell you, some of you are in tough situations today. And I I don't want to belittle those by just saying, okay, we're just going to live this happy, careless life. And we're never going to have adversity. We're never going to have troubles. And we're never going to have challenges. That's not true. Hey, life gets tough. Life is challenging. There's adversity. There's trouble. You're going through it. I'm going through it. But I want you to hear this today. You're not alone. You have an advocate. You have someone in your corner. You have a God who cares about the needs in your life. And he's not going to let you down. He's not going to abandon you. He's going to take you through the valley. And he's going to take you back to the mountaintop. He is with you in sickness. He is with you in adversity. He is with you in anxiety. He is with you in depression. He is with you in financial loss. It's not the time that God abandons you when tough times come. It's the time when God shows up. So resurrection power is here today. The resurrection is for you. Jesus did it for you. And that's what I want to proclaim to you. So we're going to look at Isaiah 65. And and Isaiah was written 2,700 years ago. Hey, guys, it's, it's amazing how intelligent people were. 2,700 years ago, I mean, they, they, had, they had great creativity. Uh, they, they took thoughts and they wrote them down and they distributed these thoughts. And sometimes we're a little prideful about our age, like we're the smartest, we're the best. And, and the people in the ancient world were just as smart as us. They had different lives and they had different ways of processing life, but they were intelligent and they had souls, souls that wanted to connect with God. Isaiah wrote some beautiful language 700 years before Jesus came to earth. So do the math. That means 2,700 years ago. And this language spoke to what Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus did in the resurrection. But it also speaks to the year 2022. And it also speaks to the years ahead of us. And it lets us know that the power of Jesus on the cross and what he did through the cross and what he did by the resurrection, is living power that's available for our present day and it's available for our future. So Isaiah 65, let's start in verse 17. This is what the Lord says. For I will create new heavens and a new earth, and the past events will not be remembered or come to mind. Guys, I'm going to tell you three things about the resurrection that means something to you today. And here's the first one. Your past is forgiven. Man, I want you to feel that today. Your past is forgiven. So a long time ago, I was starting out as a speaker. And I gave a public speech and all my friends were there. And something that happens to public speakers, it's happened to you in some form before, it's happened to singers, we, it happens to newscasters. We say something that we wish we could take back. And, and, and something kind of embarrassing. And I said something, and it wasn't hurtful to anyone. It wasn't negative, but it was just goofy. I just said something goofy and dumb, and I'm not going to tell you what I said because, uh, you know, 
It was too long of a story. But it was memorable. Let's put it that way. It was a very memorable event. And so after that event, you know, my friends gave me a hard time about it. That's what friends are supposed to do. They're supposed to keep you humble. And they're like, I can't believe you said that. And so as, as a few months passed, occasionally that would come up again. So I was like, okay. You know, the first time it's kind of funny to relive that. The second time it's a little less funny. And then, then it just kind of it becomes a story that just lingers. So years and years later, those guys still bring up this story. They're like, remember the time Aaron said? Remember when Aaron was giving the speech and he said? And it's like, okay, okay, guys, this is starting to get old. As recently as just a few weeks ago on a text thread, one of them took that phrase and put it on the text thread. And at some point I'm like, let it go, guys. This was over 30 years ago. This thing is sticking with me three decades later. I mean, that's just, that's, that's, it's like, guys, let it go, and the joke is over. Isn't it interesting that sometimes people just won't let your past go? And, you know, in that, this case, this, this wasn't a real, a real heavy thing for me. It's just kind of an irritant. But, man, I have things in my life that I've done that, man, I hope nobody remembers, and I hope nobody knows. And, and, and I know you do also, because we all mess up. We all make mistakes. You know, the Bible says all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. Hey, there is nobody perfect in, in this room. We all need Jesus. So, like, we all have stuff that we're embarrassed about, things we wish we had not done, things we don't want anyone to remember anymore, things we don't want people to find out about. But the enemy, Satan, he's called the accuser of the brothers and sisters, meaning he, the, the enemy likes to accuse us. He likes to remind us of our, our mistakes. He likes to remind us of our past. But I want to tell you one of the reasons I love my God is because God lets it go. He lets it go. He doesn't count our sins eternally against us. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God who, who believes that, that our sins should not be counted against us. And, and one of the issues we have today in society is non-Christian people are very vindictive. It's one of the things I've noticed. Like if, if there's a celebrity, a, a musician, or a, a civic leader, or, or someone who is in the public eye, and they make a mistake, okay, there's accountability that needs to happen. But what, I, what I've noticed is some of these leaders, a sports figure, whoever, whoever it is, they'll apologize and they'll say, I'm sorry. But that's not enough. The world wants to perpetually punish. Because there's, there's a part of us in, in, as human beings who says, vindication must happen. There, there must be a price paid. There must be a consequence to this. Well, I understand that because God understands that. But here's the great thing. Through his son Jesus, God said the punishment that you deserve is now upon Jesus. When he went on the cross, he took the the vindication that we were supposed to have and he took it upon himself. He, He took what's called the atonement and he said, I'll pay the price for the sins that the people made. So now no longer will sin be counted against them. Look at Psalm 103 with me. This is, a, this is such a powerful scripture. Psalms 103 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. Amen to that. 
He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. Now I want to give some commentary here. Well, this was written centuries and centuries ago where people only had knowledge of what they could see. Now we know that the universe is ever expanding. And so we don't even have conceptually the ability to understand how large the universe is because it really has no end. And the creation of God, that he created it that way. And he created this this distance that our mind can't even conceive and parts of the universe the stars we see that light has been traveling millions of years just to get to us when it comes tonight so this scripture has even more depth here in 2022 as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him as far as the east is from the west he has removed our transgressions from us And that's the God that I serve. And that's the God I want to share with you today. The resurrection means something to you because your sins are forgiven. Listen, no one, no one in this room, no one watching online needs to walk away with their sin. The sin is given to Jesus. We repent of it and we receive his forgiveness. We receive his renewal. And he does not treat us as our sins deserve because he's a good God. And as we go into eternity, the consequences of our sin are erased in eternity because our God is loving. You know, when Beth and I first got married, uh, we bought a puppy because that's what newlyweds do. If you're a newlywed, resist, resist, please. You won't want that puppy as soon as God blesses you in other ways. So we, we had a dog, and it was a beagle, and it was cute. His name was Nash. And, and you know, I, I love this dog. You know, I love this dog, but the dog was running the house, man. I mean, he was running the house. The dog was in charge. So we had a friend come in from out of town, and he told me, he said, Aaron, do you know the problem with Nash? Well, no, there's no problem with Nash. And he said, the problem is you love him too much. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, it's like you're, you're, not, you're not giving him any discipline. And so I did the appropriate things, and Beth did them too. We did appropriate things to train a dog, and that dog ended up loving us even more, you know? It's like a- after the tough times, there's love there. You know, and I've noticed this principle is that groups bond through adversity. So like when groups of people go through tough things together and they come out the other side, there's a bond. There's a closeness. You know, sometimes when we, when we have a, a fight with someone and we work through the conflict, we come through stronger. And, and I thought about several occasions of that, just being a pastor all these years where, you know, I've worked through conflict with people. And sometimes it was things that I did wrong and just apologized and just said, hey, I'm sorry for this. And working through that conflict, there's a closeness. There's an authenticity um, from that relationship afterwards. And and when I think about our relationship with God, I think about the cross and how really traumatic the cross was. We we spent some time on Monday, Thursday talking about that. We spent some time during the stations of the cross focusing on the trauma and and really even the violence of the cross and the disappointment that the disciples felt on Saturday. And then when Jesus, his resurrection was proclaimed, there was a closeness. There was an intimacy Jesus had. As we prayed earlier, he ate. He had meals with his disciples. He, he was close to them. He, he let 
the disciples touch his scars and hands. And, and there was a nearness. There was a, a close friendship with him. And there was much joy. That's why the second observation I want to make today about the resurrection for you is your present is joyful. There, there, is, there is a joy. I'm not talking about manufactured fake happiness. You know, sometimes Christians were accused of that, of, you know, God bless you, brother. It's so good to be here today. But what, our, our heart is not behind our words. And, and, and I'm not talking about manufacturing something. I'm talking about this joy that knows that God has you, that God is with you, that you're going to get through the tough times. But also, listen, you're going to keep your soul through the good times because sometimes that's the biggest challenge. When things are going well, that we don't give in to greed. When things are going well, that we don't misuse power. When things are going well, that we don't have a prideful spirit that, that um, doesn't represent God. And so even during those times, there is joy that's not based off earthly circumstances. And I want to tell you, it's yours. It's yours. It's not for the special people. It's for every person. Hey, it's not for the people who, are, who, who have a microphone or who are on stage. It's for every believer because the Lord loves you. And I'm going to tell you something. The Lord doesn't give something to Angela that he doesn't give to you. All right? It's for you. It's for you too. And Isaiah predicted this. Isaiah predicted the ideal relationship God would have in his people, and that's that's. A location, Jerusalem, is like a, a physical place we know, but it's also a symbolic place. Back to Isaiah 65, starting with verse 18. Isaiah talking about the work of Jesus and the work to Jesus that's still ahead of us. Then be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I will create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem. And be glad in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will no longer be heard in her. Hey, guys, that's our inheritance and that's our future. I know there are tears today, but there won't be tears tomorrow. There's a time and there's a day and there's a place when God will be with mankind and he will wipe away every tear. Tears of sorrow, tears of regret. Tears of isolation, tears of war, he will wipe away all tears. We see evil in the world today, and I won't deny that. But I will say this, is that evil will not have the last day. Evil will not have the final word because of Easter and because of resurrection. Joy is welling up on this earth. Joy is welling up on this planet, and that joy is for you too. God has something great for you. Jerusalem, at, this pre, at the time of this writing in Isaiah 65, was under the judgment of God. It was a difficult time for Jerusalem. And there were tears in the present. But Isaiah said, the Lord said through Isaiah, the tears won't be forever. Joy is coming. This is what Jesus said about the enemy of our soul. He said John, in John 10.10, 10, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I'm going to tell you, abundant life is yours today. Hey, your job might not change this week. 
Your relational challenge may not change this week. Your, your money situation may not change tomorrow, but let me tell you what can change. Your heart can change. Your attitude can change. Your perspective can change. And you'll see that the things that are bringing you down won't keep you down because the resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And you will overcome. This is not just fluffy words to just psychologically make you feel better. I'm telling you that the resurrection power that caused Jesus to come out of the grave on the third day, he has given it to you to overcome any challenge in your life. And he will help you. He will help you get through that challenge. One of the things that's always on our hearts today and not far from our minds is the tragedy in Ukraine and the war in Ukraine. And as we enjoy our Easter today, you know, we, we pray and we remember and we see the manifestation of evil. And it's happened in every generation. Uh, war, warfare is evil. And war is when men become animals and do things that are, are, are unmentionable. And, it, and there's so many atrocities happening in Ukraine, and you know about those. And, and the, the, most, the most important thing is, is what's happening to people, and, and people are what it's really about. But on down the list, as, as, that, as that war ends someday, we don't know, but we know that the whole country has been devastated, and we can see it physically. And one of the tragedies is the destruction of property and the destruction of businesses. And I know you're like, well, that's not as important as people. And no doubt about that. I want to be clear about that. But when you lose your property and you lose your business, you feel like your, your, your world has come to an end. And, and I just imagine these people, and, and some of them may have generational homes and generational businesses and, and a bomb or a missile has destroyed their life's work. And and, and there's, great, there's great mystery about the future. Well, we remember them, and we see the manifestation of evil in that war. But that's why we need a greater day and a greater future. And, and we need to believe that the Lord is coming again. And he is coming in power and authority to rule the nations. So warfare won't exist when the Lord's in charge. There won't, be, there won't be weapons of mass destruction when the Lord's in charge. There won't be unprovoked attacks upon innocent people when the Lord's in charge. There's coming a better day, and you're part of that better day. I'm here to speak hope over you. I'm here to speak optimism through Jesus Christ today. I, I, I see a future. The prophet has spoken that's better than the world we have now. Listen, I hope you enjoy today. I really do. I want you to enjoy today, but even on your best day, there's a better day. That's what the Lord says. And here's my last point today. Your future is fruitful. Your future is fruitful. This is what Isaiah prophesied. Let's go to verse 21. It's talking about the days ahead of us. People will build houses and live in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and others live in them. They will not plant and others eat. For my people's lives will be like the lifetime of a tree. My chosen ones will fully enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor without success or bear children destined for disaster. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord along with their descendants. 
I want to tell you this, is the power of the gospel, the message of Jesus. When Jesus came out of the grave, he had conquered death and Hades and the grave itself. He changed the order. He changed who was in charge. He changed everything that had happened. When Jesus came out of the tomb, death was destroyed. Death no longer has the final word. The casket is unnecessary. The funeral homes are closed. The cemeteries will be a place to play again. Why? Because the old order is over. Death is defeated. Satan is subdued. Trials are erased. Sin is forgotten. That's what Easter is about. Easter says that there is a new order according to the work of the Lord where Jesus is exalted, Jesus is in charge, Jesus is present, Jesus is involved, Jesus is glorified, Jesus is not hidden, but Jesus is known to the world, Jesus is conquering, Jesus is healing, Jesus is revealing, Jesus is winning, and Jesus is Lord. That's the new order that the resurrection did. I want to invite our ushers to prepare to distribute communion and our worship team's going to come join us. And I want to close this message with a scripture, a scripture that, that declares what God has done. You know that through one man, Adam, sin came into the world, but there was one man and his name is Jesus. And he wasn't just a man. He was fully man and fully God. And because of him, the consequences of sin were changed. First Corinthians chapter 15, starting with verse 19, says it this way. And if our hope for Christ is only for this life, we are to be pitied more than anyone in the world. I want to just stop there for a second. I just want to say, if you look at that verse again, that if you just came to church just because it was a tradition, I'm glad you came because of that. But if, if, you, if you thought this is just a nice coping mechanism, if this is just a nice psychological booth, this is a nice family experience. Can I just tell you that you pretty much have wasted your time. But if you believe by faith, what God's saying is that, that our hope is in Christ, not just for this life, but for the life to come. Brothers and sisters, we may get 90 years. We may get 100 years. If we're lucky and with the advance of science, there may be some of us to live to 120 years. But listen, at la that last breath will end. And our life won't end if we know Jesus. Our life will extend. Our life will extend. And so we don't put our hope in Christ just for this world. We put our hope in Christ for eternity that's before us. In verse 20, it goes on. It says, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have believed. So you see that just as death came into the world through a man, now resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. And after that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to the God, to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And I'm going to tell you this. It's the death of Christ and his resurrection. It's powerful because it did more. It did more than we could possibly understand. It changed the order of things. It changed all things that I've mentioned today, and it's changed our hearts.